see all of the faithful few here. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the lesson this morning. I'm going to read out of uh, Matthew uh, chapter 26. You don't have to. You don't have to stand. I'm just going to read a verse of scripture to you. Matthew 26, verse 41 says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's go before the Lord in prayer before we get started. Thank you, Lord. Help me this morning to teach your word and uh, anoint me. Let it touch an honest heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so... Um, in studying for this lesson, I uh, um, think it'll be very interesting. I hope that this is what the Lord uh, has for somebody. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, this last couple of months, I started something uh, anew. Started, hadn't done it in a long time since I was a, a, uh, in my teenage years. And that was um, weight training again. So I began going to the gym a few few months ago and began to uh to start lifting weights. Hey, brother Matt. Can you bring me a water bottle? See they take care of me. See that? So, um started weight training and um and for those who have who uh, um go to the gym or work out at home, things of that nature. Um it's been very beneficial to me. It's helped me a lot tremendously. And um uh, there are uh, there's five golden compound exercises that a lot of us have heard about or know, um, and they are the deadlift, it is the pull up, it is the uh, squat rack, it is the um, I'm going drawing a blank. Um, anyways, the, the the and then the bench press, and so um, you know and 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 amongst amongst guys whenever you're talking about lifting weights or going to the gym the question never really comes around to um how much can you uh i don't know how many crunches can you do which is not a lot for me so uh or how much can you curl but amongst guys the question thank you brother brocall Amongst the guys, or a lot of times the con- when I was younger, the conversation was always, well, how much can you bench press? Uh, because bench press is a sign of a man's, apparently, physical strength. Because the bench press is about one thing. It's about your ability to, uh, how much weight can you put on that barbell and in order to push it off of your, your, uh, your, your chest. And I'll be in the gym, and, man, I see some guys load up that, the barbell with, with, with all these plates, and they're grunting, and they're, and they're making all these noises to draw attention. I just hope they don't get a hernia doing it. Um, but it's, 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 they do it as a sign of physical strength, and usually that's what the conversation revolves around. And so um, stay with me. I hope to get somewhere with this. And so, um, and so in, 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 me, in, in my quest of, um, of weight training, uh, recently I uh, was, was trying to do the bench press, and I put quite a bit of weight on there. And upon going down to push the bend, the barbell off of my chest, I felt uh, a sharp pain in my right shoulder. And I said, well, that's not good. <clears throat> and so I realized that I, 
I physically have the ability with enough muscle in, in the arms and the chest area to get this weight off of my chest, but my shoulder would not allow me to do that. And so I did some research into this, and I found that there are four very tiny muscles that play a major role in a, a guy or a, or a lady's ability to uh, do the bench press or any kind of workout that involves uh, uh, the arm or the chest. Um, and the problem is that um, a lot of people will put on a rack on a lot of weight and try to um, lift these things, but if they're not careful uh, and they don't pay attention to these four tiny muscles in their shoulder, they run a, uh, a risk of uh, muscular imbalance what they say, or the research I've done, called shoulder impingement syndrome, or possibly even tear their rotator cuff. Um, I know it's probably boring for a lot of you, but hopefully I get somewhere um, in studying for this. And so, hope to teach and keep it like that and try not to preach a little bit. Um, so, uh, you, you have to pay attention uh, to this. And in this article I read, it, 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 I thought it was so interesting. Was that this guy? This he, he's a he's a he's a he's a personal trainer. He's got a degree in physiology and all this other stuff. And he said uh, he made this quote and said that you are only as strong as your weakest link. And I thought that's so interesting. And we've all heard that. How many have heard that phrase? You are only as strong. I mean, that everyone's heard of that phrase. You're only as strong as your weakest link. And I thought about that and I said, you know what? You're right. Because because. Because clearly we have enough muscle mass to be able to push this barbell. I clearly have enough muscle mass to push this barbell off of my chest. But I can, instead of lifting uh, the weight that I would like to lift, I am lifting significantly less. Why? Because I have four little muscles in my right shoulder that would not allow me to lift more weight than that. And so the saying is true. And, and, And so Thomas Reed in his essay on intellectual powers of man in 1786, coined this phrase, and this is the quote. And he says, In every chain of reasoning, the evidence of the last conclusion can be no greater than that of the weakest link of the chain, whatever may be the strength of the rest. My sister who studies law will tell you that your argument has to be very strong. There cannot be any weaknesses in your in your the evidence that you provide because if there's just one little weak point of evidence, then it casts a shadow of a doubt, and it changes the direction that the judge and the juror decide, the jury decides. And so um, it doesn't really matter how strong the rest of the chain is. If there's a little weak point in that chain, it will collapse. There are bridges all over the world. History would tell us many that have collapsed because engineers and architects missed the fact that there was a weak part in that bridge. Thank God, every time I drive over to the Fred Hartman, I'm praying. Oh, God, don't let one of these beams start to shake. And I got stuck on traffic uh, on the Fred Hartman Bridge the other day. There was a car accident. That's the most scariest thing, to be stuck on that bridge for 30 minutes and that bridge kind of swaying back and forth. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I do not want to be on Fox News right now with this bridge collapsing. So uh, come on, traffic. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, So, you know, and, 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 and bridges have collapsed and infrastructures have collapsed because of a tiny little area that is weak. 
and the principle applies not only to weight training, but many aspects of our lives. We see it in the sports world, in basketball and in football and even in baseball. How many times in basketball would they throw the ball to somebody that they think can't handle, handle the basketball and everyone would just converge on them because they know we don't have to beat the team. We just got to beat this guy. Or even in football. Uh, and I'm just talking, um, coming up with examples. But if you, if you study football at all, you know that the offensive line is very important. And the, and the other f- opposing team would say, well, we just need to find out where the weakest part in that offensive line is. And we're going to blitz that side like crazy and get to the quarterback. Or even in baseball, when the batter's up to hit, and you know somebody out there in left field can't catch for nothing, that's where everybody's hitting the ball. Because I don't have to beat the team. I just got to beat the weakest link. Even in the business world, you can have strong corporations and strong organization. And it takes one person in that organization to do something that will tear down everything that everyone works so hard to build. And so... What's all this saying? I believe that this principle applies to our spiritual walk and the aspect, spiritual aspect of our lives. And so <clears throat> when bench pressing is essential to have stability and strength in the shoulder, I know of, and I'm sure there are famous baseball pitchers whose careers have ended all because they tore this rotator cuff. As a matter of fact, even in a baseball game, that's why they have they switch pitchers ever so often because they know that he can only pitch for so long before this guy begins to start taking some damage. And careers have been ended because of this injury for a lot of pitchers. And so there's four shoulders, four muscles. Bear with me. Terrace Minor. And see, these words are kind of big. I remember learning them in anatomy. Thank God. I don't have to do that anymore. It was uh, post-traumatic stress. Uh, Terra's minor, infraspinatus, supraspinatus, and subscapularis. And I'm using the shoulder as as a example, but there are joints and ligaments all over your body. I hope this is all right. The Bible says we are the body of Christ, and so I think preaching on the body is very appropriate. Um, and there are joints, ligaments all over your body, knees. Uh, basketball players' careers have ended because of a ligament that has been torn, the Achilles, the anterior cruciate ligament, all of these things, hips, whatever. Very important, but I'm using the shoulder as an example. Four tiny muscles that collectively are known as the rotator cuff. And so, <clears throat> when they tear or some kind of damage happens to them, it's when you experience the pain and the body lets you know or me know the one who's doing the action or the the training is that i if i were you i wouldn't put more on this barbell because you might be able to get one or two repetitions up but if you push it too hard this thing is going to collapse on you and you'll be in danger of hurting yourself And there are a lot of people who weight train that become stuck at, at a weight that they are unable to surpass. Why? Because they never learn the principle of strengthening 
tiny, small muscles that are very important. And you'll have guys, you'll have ladies uh, who uh, who look aesthetically fit, unable to do heavy weights because of tiny, minor injuries, because of neglection of four little muscles that they don't exercise. All right, so what is all this trying to say? And another point I want to make, because I said that they don't grow stronger because they neglect these small muscles. <clears throat> and the thing about them is that these, small, these four small muscles in your shoulder are not very appealing. As a matter of fact, when you work these muscles out, they don't really show. They don't really show. No one, no one really sees these muscles that are being developed. Welcome, everyone. Just come on in. Come on in. Um, so no one really sees these, small, these four tiny rotator cuff muscles. But without them, you're walking like this. And without them, you're not reaching for this water bottle. Because to reach for this water bottle, those four muscles are working. Or to do this or that with your hand, these four muscles are working. Okay, so get to the point, Brother Tuan. We're getting bored. Here it is. There are four small stabilizing muscles that every believer must develop if they're to grow in faith. That's the prayer muscle. The muscle of reading his word daily. The muscle of being able to delay gratification, a.k.a. fasting. And the muscle of staying connected and being in the house of God and being connected with each other. And all four of these, every believer has to exercise consistently if they are to grow in God. We can do a lot of things for God. We can do a lot of things for God. and we, You can preach, and you can teach, and you can sing, and you can show your talents, and you can show your ability, and you can be in a spiritual gym and show everybody how aesthetically spiritual you are. And we run around and we lift all these really heavy spiritual weights and all the things that we do and all this is very nice and I'm guilty of this. We'll often say, well, look at how good he teaches or how good he preaches or how talented she is or how much they have done or look at their outreach ability or look at what they're doing and and how good they're reaching the loss. And I am grateful for these things and I'm grateful for our ability to display outward and aesthetic spiritual strength. But I wonder and I hope that your stabilizer muscles are just as strong. That's what we see on the outside. And I know people don't see you praying. And I know people don't see you fasting. And I know people don't see you reading his word at 5 a.m. in the morning. 
And I know people don't see you praying for your brother or praying for your sister or encouraging the brethren and being faithful to the house of God. But like I said, the stabilizer muscles are not very anesthetically appealing, and you can't see them when they work out, but they are vital to your spiritual stability. And without these muscles, you are not making any spiritual gain. And I fear, and the scary thing is, we have a very talented generation. I I teach them every Sunday. They're up there right now, and they'll be here in the main service. They're going to be on fire for God and and testifying. Woo! I hope they stay on fire, and that's my job. And we have a generation that is very talented, but it scares me because we will have, we're having a raising a generation that is spiritually, anesthetically pleasing, but they have very weak, stabilizing muscles. They can preach, but they can't pray themselves out of a paper bag. They can sing, but they can't tell you who the 12 apostles are. And it's a scary thing because it won't be long before you suffer a spiritual injury when you try to take on heavy spiritual loads. I hope this is all right. I wonder how stable your small stabilizing muscles are in your life. And the reason that I can't lift a lot of weight, even though I think I can, is because these small muscles are letting me know, you better not try to lift more than you can handle. I'm going to pick on Brother Ken because he showed up late. I love playing basketball with Brother Ken. It's always a little liability with Brother Ken. Oh, he'll play real good. And he can rebound, and he'll box out. But, man, you're just hoping, oh, please don't let his kneecap go out. Don't let his kneecap go out. Let his kneecap go out. Just a little ligament somewhere can throw everything off. And that muscle is telling me, you better not lift more than you can handle. Because you may get one or two repetitions in, but the time will come when you will try to lift more than what your spiritual stabilizing muscles can handle, and it will collapse on you. And I want to do a work for God. And I love our musicians, and I love our singers. And let me tell you why when when they play, it is so anointed. And why when they sing, it is so anointed. See, the talent is, this, is the spiritual anesthetic look. But what you don't realize is that every single one of them have developed very strong 
stable, stability-building muscles. And they pray before they sing. And they have fasted before they play an instrument. And they have spent time in the Word of God. It's a scary thing and, and a dangerous thing to try to just look anesthetically pleasing on the outside but have extremely weak, stabilizing muscles. I don't want somebody that can is talented in speaking more so than they are in praying. I don't want somebody who can hit a high note of whatever. I've been in choir, still don't know all the tenor, soprano. I don't want, I, I'm not more so impressed with them being able to hit that high note than they are knowing God's word. I'm not more impressed with their ability to look busy in the house of God and not be able to fast. You know, right now I, saw, I have this, this shoulder injury, and I read a little bit more about it, and they said this is how this shoulder injury happens. It happens because of overcompensation. Why? When I'm doing the bench press, my left shoulder and arm is weaker than my right, and so to compensate for that, I have, and I don't know it subconsciously, but the muscle fibers in my right shoulder is tearing to lift up that weight. What's the point? Don't try to overcompensate the stabilizing muscles for other things. We stay busy with the work of God, and we do all of these things, and we, we tell ourselves that just, I'm, I'm busy, God, reaching the loss, or I'm busy uh, 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 working so I can give into the kingdom, or I'm busy doing this, that, and the other, and I'm busy preaching, or I'm busy singing, or I'm busy working, or I'm busy doing these things, uh, and that will compensate for prayer. No, it doesn't. You still got to pray. You still got to read his word. You still got to push back the plate. You still got to stay connected to each other. Matthew 17, 14 through 21. Hope somebody's up there. I don't see anybody. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21. Do you have any scripture for this? I do. Let's talk about it. Matthew 17, verse 14 through 21. <clears throat> I'll, have to, I'll just have to read it, and you guys listen. And when they were come to the multitude, there came a, to him a certain man kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. I'm not going to ask a show of hands. If you know anybody. And sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and he'll fall into the water. And I brought him unto your disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will I suffer you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil And he departed out of him, and the child was cured that very hour. So what did I just read to you? 
A man comes to Jesus and he says, my son is suffering from an illness. Not sure if he is demonically possessed. He would foam at the mouth. He'll throw himself into the fire. He'll throw himself into the water. He will convulse. And we went to your disciples and your disciples couldn't cure him. Watch what Jesus says. And Jesus is able in that moment to rebuke the devil. And the Bible says the devil fled out of that young man. And Jesus, verse 20, said unto them, Because of your unbelief, and for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible, impossible for you. Here it is, verse 21. How be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and by fasting. I'm talking about stabilizing muscles this morning. And the apostles hung out with Jesus. And the apostles looked real cool with Jesus. And when the dead was raised, they were there. And when the lame could walk, they were there. And when the dumb could speak, they were there. And when and Jesus was walking on the water, they were there. And they, they, they were with Jesus. They were, they were the posse that was around Jesus. And so, and so, and so because they were with, with Jesus, they thought that, you know, they, physically, spiritual, spiritually speaking, anesthetically, they looked very fit. And they fooled that man. And that man says, hey, they're followers of Jesus. Hey, can you pray for my son so that the devil can be casted out? And when the disciples laid hands on that, that boy, nothing happened. You know why? Because physically, they looked spiritually good. But they had no st- stabilizing muscles. They weren't praying. And they weren't fasting. But just because they come to church on Sunday, bless God, let me pray for you and lay my hands on you. You've got to be careful. Because people believe you and they'll come to you and and they trust that you have stabilizing muscles. My sisters come to me for advice all the time. I just taught exploring God's word within eight weeks to her and her and her boyfriend who is who is who is who is a Catholic. I have family members and friends come to me and 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 more than looking spiritually and anesthetically pleasing, I have to make sure I've got stabilizing muscles that can support them. Exploring God's word is not an easy Bible study to go through. It is a lot of information. But because, but because of my history of, of teaching it before, I, I, I have a little bit of stability muscles that I can flow through a Bible study like that and not bored somebody. <laughs> and that's the true test. Because temptation will come. And the devil will come. <laughs> and you, our ability and our talents is not going to cast him out. You know what's going to cast him out? How strong is your stabilizing muscles that no one can see? Hallelujah. Matthew 26. Let me read this. Back to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. 
media team must have taken a lunch break. Matthew 26, verse 36 through 41. This is the famous scene of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Some of you know the scene of this picture. Then come at Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and says to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray yonder. Well, that's kind of boring. Jesus, we don't want to just sit. That's kind of boring. I want to be where the action is. I want to be when you're raising the dead or when you're healing the sick. That's where I want to be. I don't want to sit and wait and pray. That's boring. But it's a stabilizer. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy and saith unto him, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry you here and watch with me. And he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, it would be possible that this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And he comes unto the, the disciples and he finds them praying. Nope. He finds them, what does the Bible say? Taking a nap. Woo! They were wide awake when Lazarus came out of, the, out of the grave. They were wide awake when they saw Jesus walking on the water. They were wide awake when he healed the paralytic. But when he was praying, I don't need all that. That's not anesthetically pleasing. It doesn't look good. No one sees prayer. I'm just going to sleep through it. Watch now. And he cometh unto the disciples and find them asleep and saith unto Peter, Peter, what could ye not wish, uh, watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You are only as strong as your weakest link. And he went again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, this cup, uh, if this cup not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And I'm telling you that in this spiritual walk with God, even through our talents and through our abilities, the moment our faith is tried the most is the hour of temptation. And in the hour of temptation, it does not matter how eloquently you speak. In the hour of temptation, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how talented our abilities are. In the hour of temptation, only one thing can support you when the weight of devil of the devil and hell pushes down on you, and that is your ability to pray and maintain that stabilizing muscle so that nothing will collapse. Mr. Cummins knows. Brother Brokaw knows. You can't preach your way out of temptation. You can pray your way out of temptation. You can't sing your way on a platform out of temptation, but you can pray your way out of temptation. You can't sing the devil out of your family, but you can pray the devil out of your family. And you can pray him out of your life. And you can pray that this cup be passed from you. 
hope this is all right. No, no, no. Try not to. This is a teaching session. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. I've got to hurry. Hey, by the way, Eve was in the Garden of Eden. She and God was tight. On the outward, she looked like her spiritual life was in order. But how did the but when the hour of what? Temptation came. There was a stabilizing muscle she did not have. And that is her knowledge of this. <laughs> and when Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil tempted him, he didn't preach his way out. He didn't heal somebody. He didn't make the lame walk. He didn't do a miracle. He raised up a stabilizing muscle. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of my mouth. I'm talking about stabilizing muscles. I felt the Holy Ghost when I was studying this this morning. Woo! I got to calm down. 1 Peter 2 and 2. Okay, so I established prayer is one of the muscles. I got to have to establish, and fasting is one of the muscles. Now I got to establish the word is one of the muscles. 1 Peter 2 and 2. 1 Peter 2 and 2. I will go quickly. I will go quickly. I got about 10 minutes. Time is against me. 1 Peter 2 and 2. Okay, here we, here we are. 1 Peter 2 and 2. I will read. <clears throat> wherefore, verse 1, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy, envies and all evil speaking. Are you ready? Verse 2. As newborn babes, desiring the sincere milk of the word, that ye what? May grow thereby. John at home is driving us bonkers. He is waking up every two hours. I did not go to bed till 1 o'clock this morning. Why? Because he's trying to grow. He needs milk. The Bible says that milk is like the word, and the word helps you grow. Your talents and abilities don't make you grow. But knowing what thus saith the Lord makes you grow. <laughs> when 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 Gabriel the archangel, when Michael the archangel came into the book, I, I believe the book of Jude, and tried to take the body of Moses, who came to him in, in the most trying time? It was the devil trying to keep Moses' body from being taken. And in the hour of temptation, Michael the archangel didn't didn't do something wonderful. He didn't do something pleasing. He said one thing: Devil, the Lord rebuke thee. And he was quoting from the word of God. You grow by the word. Hebrews 12, one more point. Let me, let me, let me go ahead and, and finish off this point here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 through 4. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 through 4. Sorry, I get a little excited teaching about all this. Y'all don't look very excited, but that's all right. Hebrews 12, 11 through 4. Hang on. Did I get this right? Yeah. Or maybe we did. I meant to put, let me see. Man, I hate when I do this. Typed in the wrong verse of scripture. Let me find it. Verse 8, let's read verse 8. Sometimes I'll type up these notes and have a dyslexic moment, and I'll switch my numbers up, and it throws me off. But if you without chastisement, whereof are all partakers, then you're not all sons. Wherefore, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. We've given them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the followers of the spirits and live? For then verily for a few days chastening us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Verse 11, now no chastening for the present seemed joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, outward, afterward it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Exercise thereby. Okay, let's go to Ephesians. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm to close with this. I'm closing with this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. And now I've got to prove to you that the church and the body of Christ is the final stabilizing muscle you need to grow. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and evangelists for some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the body. I'm talking about stabilizing muscles. Let's go to the next verse. Till we all come in the unity of faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may, what? Grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body. Joined together and compacted by that which 
every joint. I'm talking about stabilizing muscles. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make it increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The fourth and final stabilizing muscle is you coming to church and connecting with the body. Because you coming to church is not just you coming into the house of God. It's not just so that you can benefit from it. And it's not just so that God can do something for you, but so that you can do and benefit from others. The body is not separate. Every joint in the body is connected. Don't let the eyes say he doesn't need the hand. Don't let the foot say he doesn't need the ears. The body works together and jointly. And the shoulder, the, the four stabilizing shoulder uh, muscles in me is letting the rest of my body know, hold on. I wouldn't do that. And I strengthen this so that I can strengthen the rest of the body. You and I grow when we strengthen each other. Proverbs says, as iron strengtheneth iron, so does a man strengthen the countenance of his friend. When God told Peter, when you are converted, do what? The brethren. I'm talking about stabilizing muscles. And I bought a little demonstration here. This is my dumbbell. I'm just kidding. It's my wife's. I was in the gym. For a, for a little while, I, I, I would work out, and, man, I would see these guys come in there. They got to be on testosterone or something. I don't know. Steroids or whatever. Man, they are ripped. And I see them doing this with a little dumbbell. I'll stand there for about 10 minutes doing this. And I thought, my goodness, that's the silliest thing I've ever seen. He looks like he can eat this dumbbell. And then he'll go for about 10 minutes. This boy spent the whole gym doing this. And he'll go. And I'm over there. Just trying to show off, you know. Put another 40-pound, 40 45-pound plate on there. My arm, my right shoulder about to blow out, but I don't care. I got to show this guy in front of me. He's over there. And I know what he's thinking. I feel sorry for this little guy. <laughs> he has no idea the strength of his stabilizing muscles. And that, that guy will stand here, and he is ripped. And you know how he got ripped? Because he does stuff like this. And you know why people in our movement and men of God uh, uh, that we look up to and women of God that we look up to are so spiritually strong is because when we don't see it, they are doing this. They are working 
the stabilizing muscles that are so important. And if you don't pray and if you don't fast and if you don't read his word and know it and if you don't stay connected to the body so that you can get your strength, you will never grow in God. You'll never grow in Christ. You will reach a plateau and not go beyond because God knows he can't give you more than than what your stabilizing muscles have proved to him you can handle. Let's stand this morning. (laughs) Saul was great. Saul was tall. He was the first king of Israel. He was dark. He was handsome. He was six foot six. I don't know. It says he was a shoulder above everybody else. Uh, he He looked like it. I mean, he looked like a leader. But, 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 but when the time of temptation came, Saul had a great flaw. And he had a weakness. And his strength is what? Only as strong as his weakest link. And his weakness was he didn't and could not obey the voice or the man of God in his life. And God took the spirit away. And here's the thing. Hear me. If you don't practice and strengthen stabilizing muscles, in time, your other muscles will begin to waste away. And Saul was strong, and, and, and Saul looked spiritually anesthetic, but he had no stabilizing muscle. And when the moment came, he collapsed, and God took his spirit from Saul. I want a man after my own heart. I want a man that knows how to pray and get a hold of me. I want a man that knows my word. I want a man, I want a man who is obedient more than he is able to sacrifice. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. I hope it was beneficial to somebody that you would help us. God, to understand the importance of our stabilizing muscles, our spiritual muscles. God, of daily prayer, of fasting, of of reading and being dedicated to your word and being connected to one another, that these four is what upholds the spiritual believer's life. And with them, we're able to move mountains and lift mighty things and, and go into the realm of the spirit we've never done before. But without them, we will not grow. Without them, not only will we not grow, but we will lose spiritual muscle mass. God, help us this morning. I pray that I was able to convey your word to your people. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I'm excited for the second service. Sister Grant has prepared all of our students, so come expecting the Lord. Get a drink of water, use the restroom. You're, you're dismissed. Come, please come back here in about 15 minutes, and we'll have the main service and finish up.